You're listening to Partnernomics Podcast, where we discuss the art and science of developing successful strategic partnerships. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics solutions, visit Partnernomics.com. All right, so today we are joined by Mark Delator. And uh, Mark and I were uh, connected by a mutual friend a few weeks ago. Man, Mark just uh, really was captivating. I, and you'll, you'll definitely see through this conversation. But a man of wisdom as well. So Mark plays in the real estate space and he's carved out a really cool company um, that he started. I think he got started in real estate 2002, he's flipped over 1100 homes. So uh, we can definitely learn a lot from Mark. But Mark, thank you so much. I appreciate uh, you spending some time with us today. You're welcome, mate. Yeah, pleasure to be here. So Mark, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like for you just to spend a couple of minutes and tell us a little bit about who Mark is and how you, you know, started your career and, and what uh, lands you in, in the position that you're at today. Yeah, sure. Um, I've actually never had a job, which is a little bit interesting. Um, I came straight out of my uh, college career. I went to uh, high school in New Zealand, born and raised, uh, came over to on an athletic scholarship to go to the University of Missouri here in Kansas City and uh, played on their tennis team, which thoroughly enjoyed, stayed on and got my MBA. Um, and straight out of my MBA, uh, I flipped a house and accidentally made some money and thought, well, why should I go work at Sprint or, you know, Yellow Freight Trucking Corporation or Hallmark Cards like all my buddies were? Um, and I'm sure that company, that little company called Cerner will not amount to anything. So I avoided them, you know, I was, I was way too smart for that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I decided that um, I'd try and make a go of it. In 2001, I'd read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and that really did change my mentality, at least. I thought real estate would be a vehicle for my uh, wealth creation and my retirement. I didn't realize it would be my vocation through that whole time period. But, you know, after you flip one house and you think, okay, that was smart and easy, um, try and do another one and another one. And yeah, crazy. 1,100 homes later, um, you know, we're still going strong. So we have now built up a um, quite a large company. We have somewhere around 25 employees that are all in that space. Um, our niche is that we are a full turnkey provider. Uh, so that means that we provide fully remodeled and rented out properties to uh, hands off and passive real estate investors. So for example, we work with a lot of dentists. Uh, we encourage them, hey, you go work on people's teeth all day, concentrate on your active income. But when it comes to your passive income, allow us to to help you with that and uh, diversify your retirement into alternative investments. In our case, real estate. We have felt all along and I felt all along that the stock market has never been an attraction to me. I feel like it's, uh, if you're not on the inside, you're on the outside. And it just made real estate made more sense, had a little bit more control and uh, you know, more tax benefits. And uh, also you can own assets that you never have to sell and you can get cash flow from those assets. So we have helped people. I always thought that real estate, or I wanted to try and offer up real estate as a, an alternative to the stock market, but the stock market is so darn convenient and it's very efficient. And with a click of a button, you can own some Google stock or Coca-Cola stock and real estate's been a little cumbersome. So what I, the challenge in our company is to try and make real estate as easy as clicking a button and saying yes to a deal. And that's what we're pretty good at. So Mark, Talk to us about the different components or different pieces of your, of your business and how does, how does your business model work? Let's just kind of talk about kind of the offering A to Z, the different components of your business and, and what you have constructed. 
You bet. So there's really four businesses in one, which makes us that unique turnkey provider that can allow someone to be hands off because we're doing four things. We have acquisition, remodel, uh, property management and leasing, and then we have a sales, finance and admin component, uh, the operational side of the business. So when it comes to acquisition, what does that mean? That means that we are aggressively advertising through billboards, television, uh, seller direct marketing campaigns, letters, door hangers, as well as working with wholesalers and realtors, letting them know that we buy ugly houses. We're not the we buy ugly houses guys, but um, that's, that's the image. They are one of our competitors. So we need to let people know that we buy distressed assets. And so that's the whole acquisition. Now that's a business in and all of itself, right? I mean, we're spending, you know, $30,000 a month just in advertising to generate these leads that come through the pipeline. So it's pretty big business. Uh, on the remodel side, um, we now have to remodel all of these distressed assets that come on board. So now you've got a construction company that's remodeling anywhere from 150 to 200 houses per year. So that's a pretty big business in and of itself to get all those properties remodeled. So you know, refining and using software to get yourself dialed in and that capacity has been a big, uh, a big thing for us as of late. Then you've got the property management and we're now up to 560 single family assets that we have under management here uh, in the office. So uh, that employs around 11 or 12. So almost half of our people just solely working on the, the maintenance, the leasing, the um, tenant retention of those assets and obviously um, the liaison with the owners and the owner portfolio. So that's a, a big business in and of itself. Um, and then finally, you know, kind of keeping all of these things together, we have a sales, um, finance, uh, banking and admin portion of the business. So um, that's kind of how it works. We buy an asset, we rehab it, and then we get it rented out. And then and only then do we sell it to an end user investor. So um, you know, recently wrote a book called mistake free real estate. And the idea it's very much tongue in cheek, because there are there's no such thing as mistake free real estate. However, the idea was that if you change your mindset, and rather thinking that you have to be all things to all people, you have to be the one doing the, all the work, you have to be the one going out there and doing it. If you partner with a professional like ourselves, that has made all the mistakes in real estate, then you're accelerating your learning curve and you can actually buy assets that are positively cash flowing without having any of the traditional hassle that comes with the single family home. Man, it's a, it's a brilliant concept, man. I absolutely love it. I was, I was just fascinated by you know, the way that you had described your model and how it works. And then I also, my parents have had rental properties, obviously friends have had rental properties and you hear a lot of the horror stories and what you had described, man, it just sounds like there's, there's absolutely a perfect market for that. And given the success of your company, there's, there's no doubt you guys are, are providing a real need that's, uh, that's in the market. Um, so Mark, I'd like to ask you, so innovation and a lot of the clients that we work with, um, they, they really adopt innovation or see a, a lot of value in innovation and they want to leverage this opportunity to do something new, to, to create this competitive advantage. I'd like you to just talk a little bit. So you've been in the, in the real estate industry for, for a little time now. So how has the industry evolved that kind of this specific niche that you're in, how has it evolved? And then how has innovation played a role in that? It's an interesting one. Um, innovation actually uh, could easily have taken down my business and I'll tell you why. Um, for the longest time, Real estate's kind of been a good old boys network. There were a lot of off-market deals and um, I got my start in my niche by buying direct on the courthouse steps. How innovation actually hurt my business was that 
it was a very clunky way to find out um, if a property was in distress. You know, I had a lot of people, you would drive by, you'd drive along a street, you would see an ugly house and you'd think, man, I wonder if I could buy that asset. Well, then you would, you know, they would, the person who said that would probably see me driving up right behind saying, yeah, I just bought that house. You know, do you want to know anything? And the neighbors would say, how did you get that deal? How did you get that deal? And it was kind of like an off market deal where we had this, not proprietary, but it was just a very clunky way that you had to go about compiling all the information. There was a company called auction.com, which um, was a website that came along that provided a ton of information to the, uh, to the general public. And that company alone was really suddenly we, instead of it just being me and a couple of other people on the courthouse steps, suddenly, you know, they were generating a lot of interest because someone could just Google an address and suddenly be like, Oh yeah, the foreclosure is going to happen in three weeks from today. Um, so it was providing readily uh, providing information, you know, to effectively grow a competitive base for, for our business. So I would not consider myself an innovator. Um, I would consider myself someone who takes advantages of weaknesses and um, in the marketplace. And I think that we have done a good job of, of, I mean, really for the first, you know, 15 years of my business, it was really just seeing a weakness in the market and exploiting it. And then obviously allowing uh, the next step of that being providing a valuable service to people that also could not, you know, get quality assets. There was a weakness in the market from, or the inefficiency in the market was simply that banks were not getting rid of their assets in a very, um, in a, in a very uh, effective way. They were ineffectively just holding an auction and not telling anybody about the auction. So anyone who showed up would get it for 50 cents on the dollar. All of a sudden auction.com came along with all the information and found that, um, that they were actually uh, able to garner a lot more greater price for their clients by uh, announcing these bids and just getting more people to the auction. Secondarily, the other part of our business that we realized was that people were willing to pay a fair price for an asset that had been beautifully remodeled, that had been well made, you know, that was well managed and was offered at a fair price. And so that's where we saw the other uh, niche and what we've really tried to hammer out. And what we've found more and more is that people really value a, a done for you turnkey model. The, the more that we do, even if you charge them just fractionally more, but you deliver more on value, um, they will partner with you and um, collaborate with you and pay you fair, a fair price for them to do less and less work. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a game of price. It's a game of value, right? Bingo. It's about value. Mark, you had talked a lot about, um, you know, not having to be all things to all people, but really working with people that are specialists and have this knowledge. And obviously that dovetails into our world, which is partnerships and partnering. And I uh, know that our initial conversation that we had a few weeks back, you had talked a lot about the different relationships that you have, everything from banking to even technology providers, the way that you guys allow access into your homes where they don't have to be manned. Um, there's, there's lots of different ways that we can build these relationships, build these partnerships, whether they're very formal or informal, that can add value to, to our companies. Love to just have you, you share a little bit about some of those key partnerships and relationships that you've built over the last few years that have helped you uh, advance your company. You bet. Uh, one of my dear friends now, Jason Medley, uh, is the founder and CEO of Collective Genius, which is a, a collection of the top 1% real estate investors from all around the country. And uh, it's a real estate mastermind group of sorts. And so effectively, it compiles all these mastermind 
from different uh, components of real estate, brings them all into a room and provides a very, uh, you know, non-competitive way to share secrets and share data and share uh, what's going right and wrong. And through that group and through that networking, um, we're able to br borrow brilliance. There's a good book out there called Borrowing Brilliance, which I, which resonated with me because, um, you know, I'm certainly not the smartest guy in any room I walk into. But one thing I do know is that if I see someone doing something well, I can replicate it and got the people in place to um, figure out how to implement an idea into our business. I'm very much a big idea, big vision, big relationship person. Um, I think the key for a visionary like myself is to have um, an integrator, a COO, or someone that can actually um, come back through and execute on all the great, <laughs> on all the great uh, ideas that I hear. And so, um, yeah, Collective Genius certainly was a, a massive um, partnership for me or collaboration of sorts. There were simple ideas such as the self-showing lockboxes. Before we were having to partner with a uh, property management company that was offering up leasing. And so when we decided to bring uh, property management in-house, the leasing component was still a hassle for us. And we were using their real estate agents that would um, put a sign in the yard, take a phone call, drive to go meet this prospective tenant and show the property. Uh, long story short, there is a great system out there that uh, very safely and securely allows access to the property once a tenant or prospective tenant uh, shows interest in the property, um, uploads and answers a few questions, uploads a picture of their driver's license and a credit card and that kind of thing. They're allowed uh, digital access uh, through a digital lockbox that drops down, not digital access, but a digital lockbox would allow them access to this property where they go in and, and physically self-show the property. Well, suddenly that takes a, a 10 hour Saturday of beautiful showing time. If you've got 10 properties out there that are actively for rent, you can actually show these properties. Uh, you could show the 10 properties 10 times each. You've had a hundred showings that day, as opposed to one leasing agent, which may be able to show two or three properties that day. So, and not only that, you're cutting out the cost of the leasing agent. So that uh, one little idea with a nominal investment of $6,000 dropped $100,000 to our bottom line uh, when we implemented that very next year and has continued to reap rewards. Um, another a digital advancement in real estate was uh, Matterport, which is a virtual touring of properties. So it's taken three dimensional schematic drawings of properties and allowed people to virtually tour the homes. So now uh, we actually are pre-leasing our properties before they're even out of rehab. So before they're even done, we have a virtual tour of the property of what it's going to look like with, you know, the stunning granite and travertine tile and the mosaics and nice backsplash and the LVP flooring that we're known for. Um, we can actually show these properties to prospective tenants, um, even before we have a lockbox on the door and before they can actually know the address of the property, we say, hey, is this something that this three bedroom, one bath stunning home, would you like to live there? And that, absolutely. So we're actually successfully pre-leasing before the property is even done with rehab, which again, shortens the life cycle and adds, uh, drops, you know, that carrying cost to the bottom line. Um, lastly, um, blessed to be a part of another uh, mastermind group called uh, Freedom Founders. And this is a partnership where it's a bunch of like-minded individuals getting together um, to accelerate their steps to retirement. And there's a bunch of dentists that have been, uh, the head of the group is called Dr. David Phelps, and he's a great friend of mine. I met him actually in the Collective Genius. He was in there uh, because he is a, he, uh, he owns and, and founded 
this mastermind group called Freedom Founders, which is helping doctors and dentists accelerate their life cycle and get towards financial freedom sooner. So as he was helping people with their financial plan, he realized that rather than just pointing them in direction of real estate, he should have some people, he should go out there and scour out really dialed in practitioners that can actually deliver a quality asset to his uh, group um, and do the legwork for them. So again, they would partner with him, he would partner with us and effectively he's bringing the two sides together. So again, a good partnership of sorts where he would have a, he would, he literally came and was boots on the ground in Kansas city, researching and understanding our operation. He saw our property management department and realized that the biggest banes, you mentioned people that had got burned in real estate. When you get burned in real estate, it's typically either because you're self-managing or have bad management, but with dialed in property management, you eliminate the two biggest killers of cash flow, which is vacancy and maintenance. And so he saw our operation that was doing a great job of, of reducing vacancy and maintenance and, and developing a really great product for which would work well with his clientele. So he brought us on board with his community and we've been a part of that community now for four years and they now provide um, our, a large part of our investor base. So we now have a demand problem, which is why we're ramping up our ad spend for acquisitions because we have more demand for our business than we do supply of products. So, um, you know, it's a, you know, what I found is that when you deliver a really quality product and service, extreme value, as you would say, you deliver extreme value, people talk about it. I know that uh, wealthy people talk about where they're spending their money and where they're seeing value in the world. And they talk about the relationships and the partnerships they have. They don't talk about, you know, Facebook and, and, you know, electoral races. And so, you know, when people were getting a phenomenal service and value from us, they told their other friends about it. And so it's a very much a referral based business uh, that we run here, but it's been one that has uh, grown exponentially due to the partnerships and relationships that we've created. So Mark, I want to ask you, with the exception of, of starting with your book and reading your book, what kind of advice would you give to to a young man or woman that's interested in getting into the real estate game? Hey, well, look, I'm, I'm a big real estate guy, so I would absolutely encourage people to think outside the box. Um, we are just one of, of many really good turnkey providers in the United States. And so, you know, look, you know, if you like Kansas City and you like what that offers, um, by all means, reach out to us, but we're by, where there are many, many more providers out there. I'd start researching turnkey providers and look at people that have in-house property management. The one big hurdle that people can make is thinking that a turnkey provider is just someone that sells them a done-for-you house. Hey, it's not about the remodel. It's about the back-end property management. Anyone can remodel a house, and that's just called flipping. You've got to have someone who has in-house property management. And once you find that person, you vet them out, and you feel like they're a good fit, then jump in. Um, real estate is very, very, excuse me, it's very, very hard to lose money in real estate. Um, if you buy a good quality asset in a good area that will stand the test of time and you have really good management, you're done. I mean, you just sit back, relax and enjoy the cash flow. Um, so yeah, reach out, um, do your due diligence and, and find out what turnkey providers are out there servicing your neck of the woods. Um, I will put a disclaimer out there that if you're looking, you know, they call it a, you know, sometimes you can look at real estate as a roller coaster because on the coast, it certainly is that way. Uh, when you're in the Midwest, in the middle of America, um, real estate doesn't fluctuate that much. Uh, we were very loosely affected um, by the 2008, 2009 debacle. Um, it certainly made it easier to buy because there was more, you know, uh, more foreclosure properties on the market. But as far as the actual assets that we had under management, 
they went up in value because the actual rental rates we could offer uh, was way, way more because there's such more demand for our product. And you'll see that as the stock market cycles up and down, real estate largely is unaffected by that. Um, obviously with 2008 being the exception, uh, when you're talking about the rental real estate, obviously high priced homes will go up and down. Um, but the rental real estate, you know, in that kind of hundred to $200,000 range, quality homes and good areas will always stand the test of time. Yeah, Mark, and that's, that's an area that you guys focus with your business, isn't it? That uh, 100 to 200 K range uh, here in the Midwest, or at least in Kansas city, is that a, that kind of that area that you've seen that's provides the, the best return and fits your model? Absolutely. Yeah. So our average uh, rental rate is somewhere around 1200 a month. Um, so that's, you know, average sales price of an asset somewhere around 130, 140,000. So pretty close to that 1% rule. But yeah, if you stay under 200,000, you have a good, good property manager, um, just go buy as much as you can. The one thing that's an absolute truth, Mark, is you don't get rich from what you earn. You get rich from what you own. And the sooner that people start just putting their money into paper assets and start putting it into the asset column, building that asset column, they'll really start to build their wealth. Yeah, I love that, man. Absolutely love it. Um, so I know you're a believer in EOS, the Entrepreneur Operating System. We talked a little bit about traction. and You've already mentioned that you're the visionary uh, for your organization. Talk to us a little bit about the importance of process and really being disciplined to building your business. <laughs> You're talking to the non-process guy about process. I love it. <laughs> Great. That's not a good intro for a CEO visionary. Um, no, look, hey, I was uh, the classic entrepreneur beating my head against the wall. Um, I was definitely, it was a top-down decision-making process for the first 15 years of my business. And, and uh, honestly, I would, in self-reflection, I would say that I was not a good boss because um, for the longest time, um, it was kind of, reliant the business was reliant on me and i didn't hire the right people because i was always trying to just hire people that would do what i wanted them to do rather than to think so i'm done with the doers and i'm all about hiring the thinkers it's easier to do than to think and so now we're really trying to work on people that can actually think so you hire the top level talent um, i'm a big believer in trying to pay people as much as you possibly can uh and getting the best hire, hiring the best talent that you can possibly that you can possibly get but you have to process and hold accountable. And that is not my strength. So process and accountability are the two big things that I needed a COO or an integrator to come into my business and really help with that. So whereas I had an extremely strong business model that was thriving, um, the actual accountability and process was lacking. And so when we tried to scale, we would always hit a wall or hit a ceiling where we would just frustrate any which way we would turn. There would either be someone who would get frustrated and burned out or there'd be a, you know, we'd drop a ball for a client or something along the, or we'd buy a bad asset. So now we have eliminated those um, or drastically reduced those hurdles by creating structure and process. Um, and so now our meetings are more effective. Our uh, people are more uh, structured and they know exactly what they do. Um, if you go ask our leasing agent, Joelle, what do you do? She'll say, uh, tenant retention and reduce vacancy. I mean, that's all she does is put people in houses and keep people in houses. And she's held to two metrics. She knows exactly what she's doing and she knows the metrics and what she drives the company. And what does that do, Mark? That gives her the value to know she's providing extreme value to the company because we're not asking her to do 10 things. It's just two things. And each person has about two things that they're held really, really, really responsible for. And that's their thing. So it adds to the accountability 
Um, you know, EOS taught us about core values and, and on top of the process. So our core values of quality, meaning quality assets, but quality communication and quality um, in every facet of what we do. Accountability, um, being accountable not only um, to our clients, but also to each other. And then uh, communication is huge. Uh, communication is everything. You have to be a good communicator um, to, to be able to operate effectively. And the last one is professionalism. You know, what we saw in the real estate space was a lack of professionalism. And that's where we can really accelerate our growth is just by, you know, our, our competition is not Remax and Reese Nichols and Keller Williams. Um, our, our competitors are Edward Jones, Merrill Lynch and UBS Financial, who are, you know, get, getting the huge dollars and retirement dollars from their clients. Um, and again, I don't see them as competitors because we offer a different product, but in terms of like where we want to operate at, that's the level, you know, you don't walk into an Edward Jones office and see someone in, you know, a t-shirt and shorts. It's always the suit and tie. And that's the level that we're at. We want to know that when someone walks in and says, you know, I have a million dollars, I'd like to invest it with you. They know that, that the professionalism, the accountability, good quality assets, good communication, those are what we stand for. So EOS was just a great time for us to actually, you know, kind of reset. But the biggest hire for me over the past, well, for my career was truly, um, you know, one of my good friends, Chris Johns, who is my COO and integrator. Um, truly a blessing because he was looking to exit. Uh, he's just sales guy, sales manager, a true sales manager that was actually leading sales teams in corporate. And uh, he was obviously disgruntled with the corporate way of life, having to tr travel and get on planes all the time and hold other people accountable and just beating his head against that glass ceiling where he'd be capped, um, you know, at what he was doing. Um, and he wanted to be able to have more of a a um, impact on the world. And so he saw our business model and actually was one of our investors. He believes in real estate. So he was one of our investors and that's kind of how we met. Um, he believed in the model and wanted to make more of an impact. So we were lucky enough to be able to get him on as our COO. And truly that was a, a turning point in the, the life of the company where we were suddenly able to, uh, you know, the, the culture changed. When you start holding people accountable, Mark, the culture changes. People are more excited about it. They don't, people want to be accountable. They want to do well for you. And that's the amazing thing is, you know, when you start holding people accountable um, and giving them process and giving them CRMs and databases and ways to track and, and giving them metrics that they're held accountable to, man, it's just people feel because they see the good work that they're doing and they actually enjoy what they're doing far more. So that was a big turning point for us. That's so well said, because it seems that people get really frustrated and disgruntled in positions when they don't see a way to win. And it's really, it's, it's process, it's goals, it's accountability, it's communication. It's these things when they're done right, which you're building in your company, that gives people the, the avenue to win. And then that's Chris something McChesney, that you can get did, behind. Did, you have, did I see Chris McChesney on one of your podcasts? You did. Yeah, Chris okay. is a buddy of mine. So he came and spoke to one of our uh, mastermind groups one time and, and uh, so had, had the pleasure of shaking his hand and, and listening to him speak for three hours. One of the things, a big takeaway is he said, if you give your employees a winnable game, which means put a scorecard and just give them an opportunity to play a winnable game. You don't see Michael Jordan, um, you know, driving down and hitting a, you know, going, you know, driving for a layup if he's down by three with a second left. You need to know what the score is to be able to win the game. And so, you know, in that capacity that really resonated. And so, 
but then you've got to have the systems in place to track what you're doing and you can't control what you don't track. So getting the process and the systems in place to be able to track what you're doing, then you can create the scorecard. Then you can find the people that really want to win. And then you hire talent to come in and just win at what they're doing. You're right. Yeah, man. It's uh, the four disciplines of execution. It's, it's a phenomenal read. You definitely uh, need to check that out if you're into that. So Mark, talking about resources, and books. I think you and I are both lifelong learners and definitely believe that uh, we got to keep our minds sharp. What are some, uh, some books that you've read recently or what are some books that uh, you'd recommend to other business leaders out there? Sure. So I think I'm a big believer that uh, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, um, which is why, you know, Kiyosaki um, was obviously, you know, just if you're just getting started in real estate, it's just a great way to get the mindset shifted to understand that you have to build your asset column. So obviously, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was big for me when I needed it 20 years ago. Um, then I went through that time period where I was, you know, building the organization, but getting frustrated and hitting my head. And so Simon Sinek's uh, really spoke to me with it starts with why and understanding that it's just about, you know, you've got to figure out your why before you can figure out anything else. Uh, 40X, Chris McChesney uh, was great and um, in, in understanding, you know, executing on process. Um, lately I've read all of, uh, Patrick Lencioni's books because my game is changing where, um, and this is crazy. I was actually warned by one of my mentors, um, a good friend of mine, uh, that has a similar operation, although he's kind of three years ahead of me. And the funny thing about that is I'm trying to catch him, but he's so good at, he's always going to be three years ahead of me. Um, but he said, you know, when you start CEOing, um, you're going to get bored. Um, because when you're a true business owner and you have the business running, you should not be down in the weeds. And that's what I've really the last um, 18 months has been getting, removing myself from any decisions and removing, my, removing myself from any of the process. And so now I kind of see that down the pipeline where I can sit and enjoy, um, you know, an afternoon with my wife. I can uh, have a date day Friday. I can just enjoy being on podcast with you without worrying what's going on behind my back. Um, I say that because all the officers are behind me, not because I'm worried about what's going on. Behind <laughs> my back. Um, but you, you just start thinking about, uh, you start thinking about, you know, being a navigator of a big ship, not necessarily the captain of the ship. And you instruct about where it's going and navigating which direction you want to turn. And so for us, um, that ship is now sailing in the direction of some multifamily investments. And we're looking forward to what that uh, offers up because we now have, you know, people that have massive amounts of capital to deploy and we don't have enough assets to deploy it in. So, but they trust our process. They trust our decision-making and um, that partnership is very strong. Um, we have a very loyal um, and dedicated customer base. So we want to serve them. And I think part of serving them means that we have to deliver another asset class. So that will be coming down the pipeline in 2021 with some multifamily investments for those guys, but it just allows me to start thinking. And so um, I've been re reading a book called Servant Leadership. I forget the author's name, but that was an amazing book. Um, and then obviously all of Patrick Lencioni's team building things um, have been impactful to me, but um, yeah, just, you know, I think, uh, all of those type of, you know, Chris Voss back when I was kind of still, uh, you know, taking deals down, you know, Chris Voss's, you know, thoughts on, um, negotiation were important, but now that's just what my sales team reads, you know I mean? So it's all about where you are. So right now I'm all about trying to find books of myself that'll grow my leadership. Um, leaders, um, talk less, uh, and I'm really trying to understand that, great leaders ask the right questions uh, and trying to under those kind of books that talk about, you know, encouraging and building up people that are working for you and with you. 
uh, rather than trying to figure things out and do it myself. So yeah, fun, fun time in my life right now, Mike. That's awesome. One last question for you, Mark, before we let you go. If you could speak to your 25-year-old self, what would you tell him? Wow. Uh, wasn't expecting that question. Um, I, you know, I'm not one to, I look at the past to learn lessons, um, but I don't look back with any regret or remorse. Um, all I would say is that I understand that partnerships are valuable. I understand that collaboration can, I probably would have collaborated sooner and looked for a people in other markets. You know, I, for a long time, I did feel like I was on, on, on an island, Mark. And um, I didn't, I, I just felt like I was smart enough. I had to understand. I'd read books just to learn about it, and then I'd go do it. And I think if I had have learned sooner that I don't have to be the doer, that I, that I should be getting paid to think and not do, I think I might have changed and accelerated my, uh, the growth of my company at an, at an earlier age. Um, so yeah, really focusing on um, thinking. I, you know, I think for the longest time, I probably thought too much that I had to have all the answers and that I had to be the one inter, you know, interacting and doing on a daily basis. So probably would have accelerated my collaboration and partnerships with other people um, at an earlier age. Yeah, man, I think that's great advice. Well, Mark, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us, man. It's always great to chatting with you and picking up the insights and continued success to you, continued success to, to your awesome company. It'll be fun to, to watch you continue to build it over the, the coming years. Thank Mike, you. I appreciate your time today. Partnernomics podcast is brought to you by Partnernomics. Learn how to leverage the power of partnership. To listen to more episodes of Partnernomics podcast, visit partnernomics.com.